Welcome to Truly Fit. Welcome to the Truly Fit Podcast, where we interview experts in fitness and health to expand our wisdom and wealth. I am your host, Steve Washuda, co-founder of Truly Fit and author of Fitness Business 101. On today's episode, it is part two of client programming, also known as program design. It is one of the bigger questions in the fitness industry. How do I properly design a program for my client? It is not easy. It can be very complicated. In the first episode, you might want to go back and listen to that if you haven't, the first part of this. this again, this is part two. We go over kind of the introduction into you meeting your client and then assessing all of the things. I use, I use the term TEACH uh, as an acronym to explain what's going on there, and that is talk, evaluate, assess, create, and help. And that gets us to the start of our programming and really midway through because midway through after you talk after you evaluate after you assess then you start creating and that's where the program design starts so i'm going to delve deeper into that particular area how you create and the things you should be thinking about be thinking about again because i don't know your client i'm not speaking to you as if I have the information from your particular client. I'm going to write you out a regiment. I'm going to tell you how you should go about it from a more generalized approach. Now, I want to quickly touch on the NASM OPT model. For a while, it was what I would consider very outdated and very robotic, and it didn't give enough uh, room to really analyze each individual client differently and then assess and create accordingly to them. Now, they updated the model, and I'm, I'm not telling you that they uh, they plagiarized from me, but basically, it, it looks as if they read my book and then decided to update the model accordingly, because so many of the things they have now in their model is taken directly from my book. But um, I, uh, I have no hate here. We're all trying to spread good things in the fitness community and help each other out the book. But Let's, uh, I digress here. Let, let's go into the NASM OPT model. For those who are familiar with the NASM OPT model, they have phase one is stabilization endurance. Phase two is strength endurance. Phase three is muscular development. Phase four is maximal strength. Phase five is power. Uh, inside of those five, they fit into three levels. Level one is just stabilization endurance. Level two, the strength. You have strength endurance, muscular development, maximal strength, and then the level three is power. Now, that might seem uh, a, a little bit in-depth or esoteric to anyone who's not familiar with that. Basically, inside of all of those, they give you uh, what I would call primary methods of progression and primary adaptations and exercises that you should do inside of each phase. Now, why I think that was absolutely ridiculous from the start is because you know I had been training well before I was a National Academy of Sports Medicine certified personal trainer, and I know that clients are different. They're starting from different levels. Their goals are different. They're different ages. And then each of us as a trainer, again, we always marry an art and a science, an art and a science together for personal training, have our own little quirks and we have our own background in which we're going to be more likely to do particular exercises over another exercise. We're not robots. And that's why I'll attract certain clients over another trainer and another trainer will attract certain clients over me. It's because we have our own little sprinkle of creativity to our exercises. So to follow a very robotic-esque regimen, outside of like, let's say something like corrective exercise or physical therapy, doesn't make sense in personal training. You're leaving out the personal side to personal training. Now, NASM has new guidelines and new protocols for the OPT model that they started, again, after my book came out. And they talk about emphasizing training the fundamental movement patterns, which I have a whole thing in my book about, the seven movement patterns that you need to work on with your clients. They have new warm-up protocols. They have integrative corrective exercise. They talk about less rigidity and, and more in the creative process choice, which is a great that they finally did that. 
And then, you know, including some change techniques, because that's a big thing with our clients, where we need, we need to get them to change their behaviors, because if they don't get to the session, if they're not doing the right things outside of the session, all of our work is for nil. So we, we have to make sure we're doing those things. So let's first go over the seven central movements. I've, I've done a whole podcast on this, but squat, hinge, pull, push, uh, plank, and rotate. Those are the seven central, those are my seven central movements, okay? Uh, some, pe- some people throw different movements in there or will combine, uh, uh, pre- like they separate pressing and pushing, which I think is ridiculous. Pressing and pushing is the same thing. So you're working the same muscles. Pressing could be considered overhead. Pushing could be considered forward. It's still the same muscles. You're just changing percentages. If I'm doing a shoulder press, I'm using more anterior delt than I am, let's say, tricep, but I'm still in, in a, I'm almost all pressing motions using chest, triceps, shoulders in some percentage fashion. If I start to do an incline or a decline, or if I'm using incline or a decline, or if I'm using a wider grip or smaller grip, that could change the percentage of muscles that are working. But pressing and pushing is the same thing. There's no difference between pressing and pushing. So those are the seven central movements. It's important to work through all of those with your client because essentially not only you're getting their bodies moving in every single direction that we need to for health and fitness, and especially in, in this sort of functional fitness way, but in addition to that, we're going to hit all the muscles, both both accessory muscles and the major muscles by moving in all those directions. But I want to talk about realistic things you need to look at before you start your client programming or while you're doing your, your client programming. Number one is equipment. Nassim doesn't mention that. So if you're at a gym that only has a particular set of equipment, you're going to have to integrate that equipment into your client's program. Or if your client is working out from home and they only have dumbbells and a band and uh, you know a pull-up bar, well, those are the things you're going to have to use. So to look at all of these phases and say, I have to work in this phase and this phase and this phase, not every piece of equipment can be fit into those phases, first of all. So sometimes you have to start the equipment that I'm working with here. I think that's very important to look at when you're especially a new personal trainer. For me, it's different because I've worked with almost every piece of equipment for tens of thousands of hours at this point. So I could adjust on the fly and do different things. But if you, if you don't have that confidence, you really have to analyze your equipment and your space. The space that you have, the equipment you have, I sort of combine those into one category. Your client's goals matter, where you're going to be starting in these phases and also your client's fitness level. If you have someone come in and they're like, hey, I'm a professional hockey player. And really what I'm looking for is just, you know, overall a little bit more help with uh, certain balance exercises because my, you know, my skating's been off lately. You're going to be treating your professional hockey player differently than you are a 76-year-old woman who's coming in with COPD, who whose doctor told her she needs to go to... To, to basically go to the fitness center so that she can prolong her life. So because of the client's differences in both their goals and their, their sort of uh, exercise and fitness prowess, for lack of a and their, their sort of uh, exercise and fitness prowess, for lack of a better term, you're going to have to adjust accordingly there. So to follow some sort of model, some OPT model, doesn't make sense. You're not going to be doing exercises for, for those two varying people in the same level. And first of all, you know, the stabilization, starting from stabilization, the reason why I, I disagree with that um, from a philosophical level is because if I have a client who's coming in who's deconditioned, I want them to feel the engagement of their muscle first. If you are unstable, you are not engaging the muscle in the same way. I want stability and forward moving, simple pattern strength, almost using machines in order to get my clients to understand what muscles are firing to build those neural pathways quicker. If you're unstable, 
It's harder to build those neural pathways. It takes longer. These are harder exercises. These are advanced exercises. I don't want to do anything unstable. I want to sit my client down and say, hey, you want to sit on this chest press machine? I want you to push that chest press out. And while you do that, are tightening up. Notice how that area between your shoulder and near your armpit and your chest, right? Because we want to talk down to the clients. We don't want to use all of these fancy muscle lingo and jargon in our business. Notice how that's tightening up. Why? Because as we push, that's what's working. That's the primary muscle group there. We want to explain things to our clients and make it as simple as possible. I don't want to do anything unstable with a client who's deconditioned. It's it, To me, it's, it's, it's reckless to do that. So, uh, let, let's move on a little bit here. We, we talked about the seven central movements and we talked about how NASM now is, is recommending those movements. And I, I want to just come back to that a little bit, why, why it's important to work with your clients on this. You may have clients programming. Again, I can't speak to the, your specifics because I don't know what your client's goals are. But a, a large majority of people who are coming into the health and fitness game what do they want to do? I want to lose weight. I want to tone up. I want to gain more muscle. I want to get in strength, but they don't want to go up on stage and they don't And they're not training for the Olympics. Maybe some of you have a few of these clients, but most people are general population. That is who is paying you the general population to get in shape, which means you need to work full body. And when we work full body, we need to think about those seven central movements that push, pull, hinge, rotate, plank, lunge, Getting them in all of those positions, squat, getting, making sure they get in all those positions also gives you endless exercises. I've talked about this a lot. You infuse that with dots, duration, object, tempo, stability. You take any one of those seven central movements I named, let's go ahead and lunge. And with the lunge, we'll add a, a, a duration, 45 seconds. We'll add an object. You're holding two dumbbells. We'll add a tempo, one second down, hold for one second, static, and then up for one second right? Concentric, eccentric, isometric, and, then, and, 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 and so on and so forth. So changing the duration, object, the tempo, and the stability, we'll say in this case, the stability is just uh, lifting the leg into the air after each lunge. So you're changing the stability of that factor. Gives you endless exercises to go through. So that's a good program. Now, a lot of people who are type A or who are new to this industry want to program in advance, meaning they want to write out all of their clients' programming. And maybe you have a client who's only working with you once a week, and then you have to write out their particular program for them. And that's fine. And how you go about that is there's more than one way. Again, it depends on your client's goals. A lot of people like to do some sort of muscle separation thing where they go, when you're working with me, we'll do leg exercises and chest exercises because I need to spot you on those. And when you're working with yourself, you can do more pulling and arms and abs. And I can write that out for you because I don't need to spot you when you're doing pulling exercises as much. Okay. So you, you could think of sort of along those lines. If you have a client who you're training in more of that, again, Arnold Schwarzenegger muscle separation, I do this on this day, I do this on this day, which really is the, uh, it's, it's, it was trending. It went away. We went to functional fitness and now it's back. And that's how people are training these days. And I don't really care. All exercise is good exercise as long as your client is healthy and you're making sure that you're doing the right thing day to day to ensure that they're not injuring themselves and that their long-term health and wellness themselves and that their long-term health and wellness supersedes any of their vanity goals. But ultimately, when you're programming, you have to, if you're new, you have to be realistic. You have to say, I have to look at the equipment and the space that I have because that is going to determine what I'm doing with this client and the, and the equipment that they have. I have to look at my client's goals I have to look at my client's current fitness level. I'm not going to be programming the same thing for my 76-year-old client with COPD and my professional hockey player who's 19. 
they're not going to have the same programming. You're not going to start at a stabilization level and NASM OPT model. It's Throw that out the window. It's garbage. Okay, I, I get that they needed to put some sort of science behind the training, but they didn't put enough art. And there is an art to personal training. If you're going to be good at this, you there there's an art. Why? There's always curveballs, number one. So wh whatever model you want to put in, there's going to be something thrown in your way that doesn't allow you to do those exercises on that day. Somebody takes that piece of equipment. What do you do now? That client has an issue while they're trying to do that exercise. Their ankle hurts. I can't do that, Steve. What do you do now? Do you just stick with it? You're going to have to divert and go about it a different way. So you might as well learn on the front end to be creative and to assess and work a little bit more on the fly. You can write things out. You can have a particular regiment for your client who needs to do things, but be ready to adjust accordingly because they're going to come back with feedback. I always talk about this. Having that strategic two-way feedback between you and your client is the most important part about programming. They go, they do the programming, they, they feed you back with the results and then you change. You go, you know what? Okay, that was too easy for you. This was too hard for you. This didn't suit well with you. You didn't like this exercise. I'll give you something else. Oh, they didn't have that piece of equipment there. I'll give you something else. So forget about the models. You're going to have to work on the fly a little bit more than working on models. But there are sort of vague things that we should look at. Again, make sure your client's moving in all planes of motion. If you're worried about their long-term health and wellness, we name those seven central movements. If you need help with programming on the fly, think about the seven central movements uh, fused with dots, duration, object, tempo, stability. Just keep switching those up. Think about, the, think about the equipment that you have and the space that you have. Think about your client's goals. Obviously, that's going to determine what you should be doing. Maybe your client's goal is uh, that they really want to focus on their upper body more. Okay, that doesn't mean you don't do any lower body. That means you can convince them that they're going to have to do some lower body. But maybe... They maybe you do lower body, um, you you have them do lower body easy exercises on their own, and then you focus more on the upper body stuff that you can teach them because that's what they're paying you for. Okay, so you have to you have to make those decisions. And again, this is an intricate process because every client is different, all their goals are different, all the equipment that you have at your disposal is different, all the results from their last training is different. You don't know what they're doing the day before or the day after, so you're gonna to have to adjust accordingly. They go, hey, by the way, I, I'm, I'm set to run with my wife. She, she told me she's got, she's got to run a 5K tomorrow and I got to run it with her. Well, if your client's not in that good of shape and they got to run a 5K tomorrow and you had a plan to do legs, you can't do legs anymore. You're gonna to have to adjust accordingly, right? So the program design from a day-to-day -day standpoint needs to be adjustable. And then your background, your background is so important. It's important to put your flavor on all of these exercises and all of these things you do. You are not a robot. You are not just, this is not just science. If it was, a robot would just train people. They could just use an app. They're using you as a personal trainer because they want your flavor. They want a little bit of your spice to all of these exercises. What are the things that you do? You know how many clients have come up to me or, or before they were clients and said to me in the weight room, hey, I love what you were doing there. You look really smooth doing this there. I love how you did this movement in the weight room. A lot of your clients are going to admire how you work. They might have seen you from afar with other people. They might have seen you work out. They might have seen you on Instagram do something. So use a little bit about you and what you do. Maybe you're more of a bodyweight person. Maybe you're a kettlebell person. Maybe you're a power lifter. The, a lot of times the clients are working with you and they and and let's you know to put it. Uh, Easily here, they they look up to you in a sense, at least from a from a fitness standpoint, from a fitness and health standpoint. They say this is the person that I I want to look like, or this is the person who I know by the way they look and the way they move and the way they do things that they can teach me how to get closer to how they look like or how they move or their sort of health and fitness regimen and standards. So be sure to put a little bit of yourself into all of your programming, whatever it is. 
You are not a robot. Whatever that programming style is, go ahead and put that in. And that's that's also what makes this great. Is that's probably the reason you became a personal trainer in the first place is because you were putting your own workouts together and you said, you know what? I'm pretty good at this. I can do this. I have, I have unique exercises. Everyone tells me I have great exercises. I have good form. I, I, I mix and match all of these things while I, I know how to superset properly and, and, and burn these muscles out. Well, use what you've learned on your own body and help your clients in some fashion too, because ultimately this is an art and a science mixed together. So again, I'm not a fan of the NASM OPT model. I am a fan of the NASM OPT model. I am glad that they went ahead and changed and upgraded their model, so to speak, to say we need to be a little bit more open in this. We need to think about the uh, clients, both from the seven central movements perspective, like I talk about in my book, and SM happened to uh, come out with afterwards, and uh, to not just be so fixated on following some sort of model of stabilization, strength, and power, and to really say, you know what? I think it has to be more about my client and their goals and not about a particular model. And And the behavioral change techniques was really important too that NASA added into their OPT model because understanding that all of our clients are going to be struggling at some point, whether it's uh, they, you know, they are going through a sickness or they're going through a, a death in the family or they're going through tough times at work. That programming is going to have to change accordingly, and you're going to have to convince your client. Sometimes also, uh, uh, there's a whole nother conversation, how to really talk to your client outside of the personal training session to make sure that they're staying on track because that's part of what you do is to keep your client on track also. But now that they're emphasizing the fundamental movement patterns and some new warm-up protocols, and now they're talking about more about corrective exercise, and they're putting less rigidity and more creative choice, including these behavioral change, change techniques, I think that the OPT model is getting there. They're starting to really get it and allow trainers to be themselves. It's not easy by any means for someone like NASM to come up with one particular way to program design. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't do it. And that's why this podcast isn't about a particular way. It's vagaries. It's giving you an outline of an, a structure of things to look at, the equipment, the client's goals, the client's fitness level, your background, and fusing those things together to develop the client's particular thing as opposed to following a very structured regimen. This has been the second This has been the second part of the client programming or the program design. If you have any questions or need to reach out, always social at truly. Thanks for joining us on the Truly Fit Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review on your listening platform and feel free to email us. We'd love to hear from you. Social at trulyfit.app. Thanks again.